Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rimble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. The station today on faith that will raise the dead will just be an ending of the session, not an ending of the teaching. But we'll name this How to Work with God. I'm going to teach you this morning how you can work with God. Now, we talked last night, and if you could see in the spirit realm, I watched the spirits almost jump out of most of your craven bodies. When you got a hold of the revelation knowledge, that when the Lord said for you to speak to the mountain and command it to be cast into yonder sea, and doubt not in your heart you shall have whatsoever you speak or say. All of a sudden, something brand new happened inside of almost everybody sitting in this room. I understand now. We don't have to say, oh, Jesus, all we have to do is move the mountain the angels will come and remove the situation for us. Again, what is our job? Just believe and not doubt in your heart. Doubt is a killer. Okay? Doubt will steal from you everything that God has ever given to you. Doubt will do that. One of, one of the places that I look into the people's hearts that come around me is and to understand maturity is if in fact they're walking in faith or if in fact most of their walk is in doubt and unbelief. And for a prophet that's not hard to read because we do those things and inevitably, I think I mentioned before, people want to try to impress me and, and folks, you couldn't impress me if you stay here all day and all next week. I'm not very impressionable. Because I have seen you come, and I've seen people like you go. I've seen people that bless God that should be raised in the dead that are laying in drunks, uh, as drunks and drug addicts today. Just because you have the call in your life does not mean you're going to arrive there. And I, at this point, after 30 years and over 30 years of ministry, I, listen to me, I have seen more prophets fail than I have seen succeed. And the reason is, it's because they have not received the living word and let it become life to them. Today, people come and say, well, I'm called to be a prophet. I said, unless you get under good ministry and you learn and you spend about the next five, seven, ten years of your life learning, the odds of you becoming anything that God can use, now watch this, is zero. That's how much of this thing I've seen, folks. You can, you can have the want to's all day long. That's not going to get you there. What's going to get you there is what? The Word of God. Well, let's turn this morning and start in John the 6th chapter and the first verse. John 6, 1. 
After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tabernus, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Now, I, I want to stop for a moment. Now, you notice that they didn't follow him because of the word that he ministered. He followed him because of the miracles. When I first went into the third world and began to minister, what I did was take into hand exactly that. That if Mashiach, Yeshua, had ministered and the crowd falling because of the miracles, then I was quite certain I was not going to go over there and preach and do any differently. And because I could work miracles in the name of Yeshua, I could move the mountains by speaking and doubting not in my heart. I knew that that was going to be the key to draw the people to God. And you know something? I was right. Because why? I followed his example. Now listen closely. Yeshua was and still today is a teacher. Oh, Rabbi, Rabbi. He is a teacher. He led through examples, and he was trying to teach them great mysteries within the kingdom of God and the supernatural world. Third verse, And Jesus went up into a mountain there. He sat with his disciples. Now, I don't understand that. He sat with his disciples. He sat with the boys that weren't sure they were going to get come in. No, no. He sat with his disciples. He sat with those, those ones that had pledged their money, their integrity, and their lives to him. He sat with them. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. <laughs> you ever think about that one now, brothers and sisters? Where did that come? A feast of the Jews. That wasn't put in. That was not put in there when the book, this book, was originally written. Okay, because you see, we keep the church doesn't keep Passover. The church keeps what Easter. I love it. Passover is only for the Jews. You know that, don't you? Now that we read, please understand the fallacies, the lies that we've been taught. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now that word prove means to have tested him, to see what he would do. Now, Jesus begins solving this problem by bringing to the attention of, of Philip the fact that the natural solution is highly impossible. Now, that's what he was doing, Philip. He's teaching here. Now, evidently, Philip had some degree within him of understanding of miracles because he said unto him, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat, Philip? And he said it to test him. 
From the time that you began your education in what we call the public school system, uh, being home uh, school or whatever, in order to find out what we knew, we had to be tested. Okay? Yeshua is teaching here. And they had seen him do the miracles, right? They had all followed him because of the miracles. So now the Lord is saying, Philip, we got all these people. He said, uh, how, 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 we, how are we going to feed them? The sixth verse, he says, to prove him, to test him. The seventh verse, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. He looked at the circumstances and he said, hmm, well that bread, that's not going to be enough. Do you know what he did at that point? At that point, he limited a limitless God. And Yeshua knew that. At that point, when he said, well, that, I'm sorry, you know, like, Yeshua, you're, you're a good old boy, but you don't count very well. Because in the natural, that's not going to be enough bread to feed all them. Bang, miracles are over. Now we have chosen. See, by out of his mouth, he's now chosen. The only way that that can be solved is in the realm that we live. We have to have more bread. To get that, we're going to have to go down to the local uh, super Walmart and get in the bread section and buy all the bread they got and then go somewhere and get We'll get, we'll get it down, Yeshua, but we'll be back in about two days. He did what? This dictated to the situation. Now, the Lord said in this, it said that, and he knew what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do. But he wanted to see at that point, if those knuckleheads, and that's kind, had learned anything. They had watched him work those works. And now he was trying to get them to understand what possible believing is in relationship to impossible believing. With God, all things are possible. See, I used to, to sit and ponder and meditate, and you should always sit and meditate and ponder the Word of God. And I used to wonder about all that, and I, uh, because I kept seeing where, speak into that mountain... Speak unto that mountain. Speak unto that mountain. Then I discovered the fact that huh, you weren't using the name of Jesus. You were speaking to the mountain. You you were taking authority. You were walking over into the realm. And you now listen. You were then becoming godlike. The possibilities are there, or Yeshua would never have brought them to the forefront of saying, huh, "Take the wine." to the governor of the feast. The storm comes up, and they are in the boat, and they look out, and they see a spirit, a ghost, walking on the water. Peter, running his mouth as usual, after he heard, It is I, Yeshua, be not afraid. Well, Peter stands up and says, Lord, if that's you, just bid me come out there. Now, now, now listen. 
he had went past impossible thinking to possibility thinking. Could Peter walk on water? No. But for an instant, he did. Because he was willing to move over into the other realm, and bless God, he stepped out of the boat. If he had never stepped out of the boat, he would have never have known. Please understand that. If you never call upon the Lord God, if you never move the mountains, you never know where they're going to move. You have to get into this thing. You have to let your faith become action and use it. Peter got out of the boat. He walked out to the Lord God on the water. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he looked around and said, What am I doing here? You can't walk on water. I'm heavier than the water. I'm a fisherman. I know this. And he sank. What happened? He jumped back over into the other realm. He went from the possibility thinking over into the impossibility thinking, and if the Lord God hadn't been there, he would have been in heaven. He would have drowned. Can it be done? It lies within the Scriptures, brothers and sisters. Only within the Scriptures. Now, Let's go to Matthew fourteen fifteen and another rendition here, and I want you to see I want you to see what they came up to be the solution. Fourteen fifteen. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place, and time is now past. Send the mold through the way that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, which is food. That was their that was their solution to this thing. Tell him to go there. Now, of course, right in the 16th verse, the next verse, he says this. They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them break and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitudes. They would all eat, and were filled. They took up our fragments and re- remained twelve baskets full, and they had eaten were about five thousand men besides the women and children. The Lord said, Boy, sit on the grass here because I'm about to teach you something. He said, Bring me the Loaves and the fishes. Father, multiply. Multiply. And they took up the twelve baskets that was left over. What do you think those good old boys were sitting there thinking then? Well, I just emptied that basket. John, did you eat any? No. Hey, the basket over here is full again. The teaching was actually placed by Elijah, Elihu in Hebrew. When the little lady was a widow, sustained him. And throughout the drought, the meal barrel never went dry. Possibility thinking against impossible odds. That's what happens when, when, they, when they call the families in and says, the loved one is not going to make it the next hour or two or through the night. Somebody has to go and go past 
the possibility that nothing is going to be able to be done, which becomes their impossibility, to the impossibility of believing if something isn't done, it's over. That's where people like me, people like you come in because we are willing, we are willing, now listen to me, we are willing to put God on the line. Did you understand what I said? I'm not willing to put me on the line. I'm not on the line about anything. I can't heal a sick cow, neither can you. Through Him, all things are possible. And because I'm made in His image, I have the right to call those things which be not as though they are. He called the fishes and loaves which weren't <laughs> enough to feed 5,000 plus the women and children, and there's 12 baskets left over. And he said, what do you think about that, boys? And their, their solution to this thing was, send them to town and buy some food, Yeshua. Isn't that really what we do? They come in the lines, we lay hands on them, and, and that's God, they go home, and they're, they're still a disease, they're lame, they're blind, they're, they're, they're deaf, they're dumb, diseased, and everything else. Isn't that really what we're saying? Now, now we, we've done what we can, and what now you to do, just go home and die. What kind of thinking is that? Wrong thinking. This book is full of life called the Holy Scriptures. The Bible says that the best God, and, and the Word is life unto those that can find it. That Word is life if you can find it to be life. If you can't find it to be life, what does it become? It becomes death. I love the way he put all this. I love the way that it all came down. We serve a God that is able. We serve a God that gave us. And you know, the Scriptures talk about the fact that, that this was given to us, the Scriptures, for an example. That the Scripture actually says an example, which means example for us to follow. We can find out when Israel as a nation was blessed and why they were blessed. We can also find out when they were cursed and why they were cursed. Should be a lesson. We never learn it in the church. We can see a God, the best God that opened up oceans, raised the dead. We can see prophets within the, the Tanakh, what we call the Old Testament, calling on our axe up off the bottom of a river, call fire down from heaven, raise the dead by laying on top of them and breathing the breath of the Holy Ghost upon them. Those are examples. They're not in there for good stories. They're not there because, bless God, to elevate whatever it is with God to be God. He's God, and I'm quite frankly, <clears throat> He doesn't care if you believe it or you don't believe it. But I know one thing that He wants. He wants you and I to be able to work His works. And His works can't be worked. You know, if, if you're going to put... Half of your time of your life into serving God, at best you're going to get back half. See, and that's really what we got going on. People want to raise the dead, but they don't, well, I don't want to get all the sin out of my life. I mean, after all, I, I mean, I like it. But then you're never going to get it done. See, again, as I've always said, the, the, the one thing about the problem with a real prophet is everything comes back to sin. 
Everything comes back to sin in your life. Not the devil, you. Not your wife, you. Not your husband, you. Not your children, you. Not the preacher, you. But we are experts at pointing fingers, trying to get everybody to think, well, my fault. No, no, this was the preacher. My wife, my husband, my kids, my neighbors, my friends. In essence, it's you. And when you decide to get it done, guess what? It's going to get done. And some of you, if not most of you in this room, are making some big-time decisions. Big-time decisions this weekend. The question, are you going to work the works of God? Are you just going to want to work the works of God? Are you going to live with the visions and the dreams and the still voice that comes at night? Are you going to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? I'm sorry that I don't fit the mold of the that everybody thinks that a real prophet ought to fit. I walk over into the supernatural, but I don't live over there. I couldn't stand myself if I had to live over there all the time. Neither could Donna or anybody else that was around me. Why? Because I become another man. I become somebody I don't know. I become that person that God communicated with from the foundations of the world. It's, it's His plan. It's divine intervention. I found a way to contact the living God. And that's all that it is. Can you find out? Yes, you can, and you're finding out now. You had the first taste of it when you received Yeshua as your Lord and Savior. The second taste was when, bless God, you received the baptism of Rahakalus, the Holy Ghost. And if you haven't, you'll get a chance to do that before you leave this room this morning. The third time is when you embraced the house of Ephraim. And the rest of it is at the end of the book. Let me tell you something that came up in a discussion. The book of Acts doesn't have an amen at the end of it. And most of you that have been in any Pentecostal realm, you've heard a lot of preachers jump up and down and shout and carry on about it. But listen up. Ephraim will write the end of the book of Acts. We will place the amen at the end of it. They will speak of us in the millennium. They will speak of us. And you're saying, but there's so few of us. There's so few of them. So few of them. And we're only here today because of them. Yeah, but they, you know, they were with him and they were just, hey, those old boys were probably sitting around scratching their heads, tears streaming down their faces. And the next door neighbor and some of their family saying, Where's your God at now, John? You heard him, Peter. If he was God, he should have come down off the tree. 
As I said, they didn't even believe in the resurrection when it came down to it. Those 11 boys and a guy called Matthias, which we never hear anything from, mainly because they threw lots to find out who he was. God never was happy about that. What are we going to do, Peter? God gave you the keys. Peter says, let's go fishing. He said, boys, it's over. We've got to work a few miracles. You remember when Yeshua sent us out and, and told us that, you know, to lay hands on the sick and they would recover and the miracles would come? But he said, boys, let's face it, he's not here. Then Matthew said, but, but Peter, don't, don't you remember? Don't you remember Peter? That he spoke about the Rahakadish, the power, and the anointing would come. Peter said, let's go fishing, boys. What did Peter do? He went back to his old way of life, didn't he? That, folks, when you come so far, there's no return. So they're out there having a good time. No, they weren't. They had fished all night, caught nothing. Kind of a reminder of when they met the first time, isn't it? And the guy standing on the shore says, Boys, cast the net on the other side of the boat. He said, Who's that? They cast it on the other side, and the net began to break with all the fishes. Peter yanked his his robe off, and he got in that water. He swam. You can't imagine the breaking of his heart. Not me! Yeshua, they may all desert, they may all doubt, they may all but not me. He said, not me, Lord, I'll be with you. And Yeshua said, no, Peter. No. No. Those mealy-mouthed, faithless, no courage. Men turn this world upside down. We're no better. We're no better. Can I do this? <laughs> Can you? No. God has already done it. God has already placed this thing and the Spirit in order. You don't have the right, nor do I have the right, to say, Oh, well, God, I'd have done it, except I mean, after all, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. You don't have the right to steal from your brothers and sisters of Ephraim. Neither do I. How are we going to... They didn't know. 
They had no idea how they were going to carry out what the Son of Almighty God Yahweh had come and done. They had denied Him. They were powerless. But all of a sudden, something happened, didn't it? The Lord said, Go ye to Jerusalem and gather yourselves together. And he said, I will come unto you on Pentecost feast. And he said, I will send the Holy Ghost. And I will empower you with power from upon high. They knew that he was the Lord. They gathered themselves in Pentecost, until Pentecost, and throughout those days, and they fasted and they prayed. They sought the face of God, and on that day when Pentecost was full, the Scripture says, and there was a mighty rushing wind that came into the room. Tongues as cloven fire set down upon them. They began to speak in languages that they knew not. And I love it. One page over in my scriptural book called the Bible. There's Peter. Come on, John, let's go try this thing out. Peter, what do you mean try it out? He said, we got it! We have the power of God and the authority of the name of Yeshua! We have it, John! John says, okay, Peter. What does Peter do? He goes over to the temple. Now remember, Yeshua had been up those same steps, and that lame guy had sat there when he passed by. I always figured Yeshua just left that one for Peter. Okay? He walks up. The guy was begging for money. Oh, Peter says, watch this, John. He said, hey, fella, silver and gold. (laughs) He said, you can tell we don't have any of that. He says, such as we really now just received, freely we give it unto you. In the name of Yeshua, the Mashiach, rise up and be healed. And he grabbed him by the hands and he lifted him up. What is that? That is action. And the man began to dance and to pass. He ran into the temple where they were trying to have church as usual with no anointing. And here comes the lame guy. And they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're the lame guy. No more. He met Yeshua through John and Peter. I once was lame, but now I walk. It started an uprising. 
They beat him. Told him they had to shut their mouths. They had to quit talking about this Yeshua character. He's dead. And don't be talking about because that storm was over there and you guys went in there and took that body out there. You played this thing later and went to heaven bodily. We're, we can't stand that, boys. This is Sanhedrin speaking. We've got to stop that. And I mean, we've got to get that out. Death couldn't hold him in that grave. Death can't hold you for what he came and he did. Oh, when we've been there 10,000 years. How many years do you think you were there in the beginning? Think about it, folks. That's the reason it says we're going home. Let me say this again. That's the reason the Scripture says you're going home. A home is somewhere you at, you travel from. Where are you going to go after, after this? You're going home, aren't you? You already know what it looks like. You just, uh, your, your mind is, has been erased and only your spirit can leap and reach on to what home is about. You've already been there eons of years and centuries. And here we are. We are just playing out puppets on a string to fulfill what the Lord God Yahweh said would take place. That's all that we're doing. There's no superstars. There was no superstars then. Peter was not a superstar. Neither am I, neither you. You look at me, I look at you. Yeah, fat chance this is going to happen with us. That's what they thought, wasn't it? Do you know who that they thought would probably do this? The third Adam. <laughs> God have to say it one more time. No. They died martyrs' deaths, most of them. But they never quit believing. Once that they tasted of the power of the Rahakadish, once that they experienced the miracle of God, it got inside of them to where all they did was eat and sleep God. And that's where you and I have to be, my brothers and sisters. We have to be willing to lay down everything. If it means family, it means family. What do you say? You're not worthy to follow me if you won't leave your mother and your fathers and your brothers and your sisters and this and that. You're not worthy. That was who said, I groomed you from the foundations of the world. I invested in the anointing that is you. And you have no right to deny what you're here for. Take up your cross and follow me. Quit whining. Quit bawling. Just do what I called you to do so that I can bring home my prodigal sons. So I can bring home Ephraim. Ephraim can't come home 
It started with them, the twelve. Look at the millions upon millions that call themselves Christians on the face of this earth today. We're no better than they. We definitely are no smarter than they. But we have the same God. And he said, what I've done for one, I will do for all. I'm not a respecter of persons. But we have to bring you away from the impossibility thinking of this world and take you over into whatever it is. God can do it! Because he's already done it. I remember the time when the Lord God said to me, he said, you've got to see them get out of the wheelchair before they get out, son. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, you watch. Every time somebody in a wheelchair comes through that door, I go, well, that one didn't get out. He said, yeah, they did. I said, but Lord, I, they're still... No, no. He said, now listen to me. I, t- I was sure. I turned to this side and I looked at this side. He said, no! And he got out of the chair, but he was still in the chair. He walked! And God said, and so shall it be. I said, yea, Lord, so shall it be. It's all so fascinating because it works backward from what all this is here. It doesn't resemble this world. But yet we're in this world. The Bible says you're not of the world. First clue, right? You're in it, but you're not, you're, you're, you're not of it. We're passing through. God took these angelic beings and placed them in clothing images that stuck right here until we give up the ghost. Lord God Almighty. Lord God Almighty. Turn back over to John, 6th chapter, 8th and ninth verse. John 6, 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? What happened when he did that? All of a sudden, he begins to think, we have something. We've got something to work with. I don't know, I don't believe it's enough, but we have something. And that's where most of us lose out in this thing, because we don't think when somebody's dying, we have anything. They're dying. You know the only thing I can see in all of it is? The millions upon millions of people that went to the dirt that could have lived longer. Now, if it's their time, it's their time. But many, it wasn't their time. If somebody would have taken what they had to work with, what they had to work with, they're still alive at that time. They haven't given up the ghost. And I have watched the Lord God bring back the spirit and put it back into the body. He said, call back the Spirit, son. I said, I demand that this Spirit come back to this body. 
What happened? What happened to me? I said, you, di- you died and now you're alive. The nurse, the registered nurse that was standing there said they were dead. I said, no, 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 no. They just but slept. Come on. They just but slept. He just but slept. He wasn't dead. What did I do? I took the life. John, the 11th chapter. Oh, I love this. I love when the Lord God is who he says that he is. Of of John, I'm sorry. John 12. Now, I'm sorry, the 11th chapter. Well, yeah, yeah, oh, that's wonderful. That would have worked. I could have found something to preach out of there. Now, we're going to go back, and I want you to let there be, and there was. Um, Donna thinks I can't see, right? You think I need a little more light up here. Thank you, sweetheart. The first uh, verse of chapter 11, I was trying to cut through this, but I'm going to have to go back. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, uh, and her sister Martha, and it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Was Lazarus dead then? No. Yeshua now has prophesied and said, he, This sickness is not unto death. He had already spoken life. What did I say about the little boy that time I went to the hospital? The boy will not die. The child will live. Now, now, now listen, it goes on. And when they had heard, uh, therefore, that, it, that he was sick, they abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, the Jewish belief is that after, after uh, three days, that, that the, the spirit leaves the body. Okay? And so the Lord was going to make sure that everybody knew when he got there that he was dead. Now, watch. Then after that, he saith unto his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. Thou goest there thither again. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the, in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after uh, that he had said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now there he's saying again to the disciples, This sickness isn't unto death. Lazarus is asleep, and I'm going to go wake him up. Now, what about following some old boy around like that? All right? What are you talking about? Then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Now, they know he's sick, and they're saying, well, if he's sleeping, he's doing well. And, 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 and how did Jesus speak of his death? But they thought that they had spoken of taking of rest and sleep, and then Jesus said to them, listen up, boys, Lazarus is dead. D-E-A-D, dead. They're going, what? 
How crazy can this thing get? You can't even understand the guy. Huh? He said he was but asleep. He said it wasn't under the... And I said, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us, let us also go that we may die with him. Oh, man. You see how doctrine can get started? <laughs> We're just going to die with him. Boy, there's an idea. There's some revelation for you. <laughs> you got to love it. And then Jesus came and found that, that, that he had lain in the grave four days already. The Jews knew that his spirit had left his body. Now, Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs, about two miles. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother and Martha. As soon as heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Do you suppose one of them said, well, you know, <laughs> he did hang around down at the whatchamacallit for two days. She said, if you'd have been here, Lord, he, he wouldn't have died. Then said Martha and Jesus, I'm sorry, 22, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give thee. There's faith. She said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died, but he did die and you're here. That's what she was saying. Now, Martha said to him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She had been taught. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into this world. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him, and Jesus was not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were, uh, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that, that, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. And when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Unto the Lord, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit. He was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. He said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should, should not have died? Boy, there you go. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning himself, cometh to the grave in, in a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Now remember, he had already said, This sickness is not into death. but unto the glory of the Lord our God. Then take away the stone, Martha's sister and him and the dead, saith unto him, Lord, 
by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days, and Jesus said unto her, I said not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then took away the stone from the place where the dead lay. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and, and said to the Father, Now, I want you to go back and understand what he was saying here. I said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe. There it is again, isn't it? If you believe, you can see the glory of God. If you, if you can but believe, you can see the glory of God. Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And he, and when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice. Can you imagine? Now, we got the group over here that's saying, well, you know, he's done a lot of miracles, and we, you know, boy, I wish if he had just been here, he wouldn't have had to die. But you see, again, Yeshua knew what he was going to do. He told him that this, this sickness is under the glory of God. He was about to demonstrate again that you can even go past the realm of life. Now listen to me. And recreate. Lazarus! Come forth! Lazarus didn't have any choice but to come forth. There he stood up and he's wrapped up all in these grave clothes. Come out looking like a mummy probably. What's wrong here? What am I doing? What's happened here? He said, loose him that he might go. The lesson that they learned was invaluable that day. Did they see the dead raised? Yes, they did. If you can but believe, if you can but believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. It means all. It means everything. There's nothing impossible with God. What you think is impossible, God has already done. And that's what's really neat about this. Because you see, it's already done. Did Yeshua do it? No, all he did was just say, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came forth. <laughs> now, you and I have a word in our vocabulary, and it's can't. I can't do that. Now, not all the time, but most of the time when somebody comes in with crutches, into my meetings, and here they come up and get in the heel line. Here they come. I said, uh, you need to be healed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, did you come to be healed, or did you come to get lucky? Well, I come to get healed. I said, give me the crutches. 
And I'd take those crutches and bring them right up here, and I would jump on them and break them. Their eyes would get big. At that point, they wondered whether they come to get lucky or they come to get healed. I said, well, you won't need these anymore. You came to be healed. And they would walk out the door without the crutches. You push them in the wheelchairs, I'll pray for them. I don't ask them unless I know certain things about people. And sometimes I know them when I do. I can slap them, even in a wheelchair, because they have the audacity to even come up there not even wanting to be healed. You realize there are some people like to be cripples because they like all the attention, the sympathy that they get, and the welfare money that's coming in because if you get healed, you'd have to go back to work. I had a guy one time come in. His wife had him by the ear. You're coming up in the prophet's going to play for you whether you like it or not. Ah. Lord, what are you going to do about this one? He said, ask him if he wants to be healed. I said, uh, sister, would you mind turning loose of his ear and sitting down a minute over there? I got up next to him. I said, brother, I said, do you want to be healed? No. I said, do you mind telling me why not? He said, I'd have to go back to work. I said, then go sit down. Don't let me hamper your whatever that is. And that woman, she was mad as she could be. I said, he don't want to be healed. Yes, he does. I said, no, he don't. He didn't want to be healed. She wanted him healed. That's like people come to me and said, now, you know, the Pentecostal thing, and I, folks, I, I know the intercede is important, okay? Well, I want my drunken man saved, and I want to stand in for him. It's his will here, not yours. Well, now, if God will just heal my brother that's got cancer, I know that he'll serve the Lord. Probably not. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website, www.jewishprophet.com, and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Mother. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.